0: And welcome to Christ in Every Word, a podcast of the Concordia Bible Institute housed on the beautiful campus of Concordia University, Wisconsin. This is your opportunity to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the sacred scriptures with me, Dr. Brian Gurman, Associate Professor of Theology here at the University and the Director of the Concordia Bible Institute. We're cruising through the book of Revelation. On the docket today is chapter 9 already. Oh my, the 5th and the 6th trumpets. You'll probably remember we're in another group of 7 here. It started with the 7 seals that the Lamb opens up. You do the first 6 and then all of a sudden, erp, hold chapter 7, interlude before you get the 7th one. The 7th seal opens up to 7 trumpets. Last time in chapter 8 we did the first 4 trumpets. Today in chapter 9, we're going to get just the 5th and the 6th. It's actually not until chapter 11 where you get the 7th trumpet. And this is just classic John. I think I mentioned this. The first four are usually taken together, this kind of, again, global, all-encompassing, north, south, east, west kind of emphasis. And then everything kind of slows down for number 5 and 6. And then the, the culmination is always on the seven. And so uh, this chapter 9 really high, kind of highlights the slow down for 5 and 6 rule, because this entire chapter, all 21 verses, is it? Yeah, is all about the 5th and the 6th trumpet. So I'm going to jump in and uh, we'll go from there. But remember, as I said before, uh, these trumpets I take to be broadcasting, extending, proclaiming uh, that scroll unsealed. That we had in previous chapters, okay? So that's, uh, this is like what happens when the word of the Lord goes forth. We're going to see some doozies here, five and six of the trumpets. So the text of Revelation 9 reads as follows, And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit and from the shaft rose smoke like a, like the furnace of a great like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. In appearance the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, their hair like women's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. The first woe has passed, behold, two woes are still to come. And this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them. They wore breastplates the color of fire and of sapphire and of sulfur, and the heads of the horses were like lion's heads, and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues a third of mankind was killed, by the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk, nor do they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. All righty. So there we have the text of Revelation Chapter nine, the fifth and the sixth trumpets. So first things first. Remember, this is uh, you know these are connected to the the group of seven angels. So this business of fifth angel blew his trumpet, fifth of the seven. These seven angels are uh, a very ministerial group. I think they represent. um, I think they represent the office of the ministry as they do what they do. This proclamation of the word, this extension, broadcasting of the word. This is rooted, in other words, uh, in what happens when the word goes forth in the Lord's divine service. This fifth one is about what? A star fallen from heaven to earth. Does it sound familiar? We'll see this. uh, He was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. Sounds kind of demonic. Sounds kind of like a fallen angel. The Lord himself spoke of this. uh, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And all that to say, I take this uh, star as representative of, of the other side, the demonic, uh, the fallen angel. Satan himself has been proposed for this. Again, the Lord speaks of, I saw Satan fall. Um, the star fallen, and ironically, it's kind of like an antichrist sort of thing, because remember, the Son of Man has the keys to death and Hades. And he, verse 1, this uh, star fallen, was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. So the Son of Man has the keys to death and Hades. This fallen star is given the key to, well, the realm of the abyss. Literally in uh, in the Greek here, this bottomless pit is the abyss. Um, he opened the shaft of the bottomless pit. I love the word open because as the Lamb opens his scroll, the word, uh, at the same time, the other side is opening What? opening up the abyss, and what goes up is smoke uh, from the the shaft, like the smoke of a great furnace. Notice all the repetition on smoke. And the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Smoke is repeated quite a bit, and I think that's totally intentional, and that is, in Revelation, there are two smokes. One is the smoke of, we just saw this last chapter, prayer rises up, the smoke of the prayer, incense, prayer of the saints, the smoke of God's glory. This is a very rich Old Testament notion, right? The smoke of God's glory, the cloud, the tabernacle, all these things. Or in Revelation, you have the smoke of destruction, the smoke of torment, chapter 14, the smoke of I idolatry, the smoke of idolatrous glory that goes up. And again, I mean there's only two things going on. you're either involved in worshiping the smoke of God, his glory, or a different kind of glory. You're chasing after one or the one of the two. And then I love how verse three even emphasizes this. For a fourth time we hear this term smoke and then out of the smoke, came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. The thing about this is out of that idolatrous glory come these locusts, which of course brings to mind all sorts of Old Testament locust plagues in Egypt, right? And locusts are also, you think, look at the book of Joel, you'll see locusts used for a means of punishment that the Lord does. He threatened this whenever you turn from his commandments, whenever you go after false gods, he's going to bring the locusts. And uh, you think of some of the famines. Again, read the book of Joel. You'll see this locust plague, terrible locust plague that hasn't happened before. And uh, Joel, as a prophet, is able to see, hey, there's more going on here than just a locust plague. This is actually part of the, we're kind of in the day of the Lord here. He uses this locust. Um, notice, again, to, to carry out his judgment, this, again, comes from the idolatrous glory. They're told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. So first things first is, like, locusts eat the plants, the grass, and so on. They're told not to eat any of that, but go after the people that don't have the seal of God on their foreheads. The thing about chasing after idolatrous glory is that it will bite you. It will sting you. They were allowed to torment them for five months, which is, I guess, the kind of average lifespan of a locust, not to kill them, and their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. Chasing after idolatrous glory, it will bite you, it will sting you, it will devour you. It leads towards death. The Lord has so arranged it that as his word goes forth, it will convict our chasing after idolatrous glory. And the Lord has so arranged it that that will totally bite you. It will sting you, it will devour you. And let that be something that knocks some sense into us. It will do what? It will cause a spiritual famine in you. Again, think locusts. Think all the rich Old Testament locust stuff. They devour. They cause famine. And if you chase after idolatrous glory, this is uh, you are setting yourself up for a spiritual famine It'll affect your life in profound ways. Verse 6, in those days people will seek death and will not find it. What's the point? What's the purpose? They'll seek death and they'll not find it. Uh, they will long to die, but death will flee from them. We have only, in, this is the other thing too, um, the torment that they're trying to get away from. There's only two kinds of torment in the book of Revelation. Again, it's one of two ways. The torment of the, of, um, uh, God's people, for example, uh, the woman in chapter 12 is in torment when she's giving birth. She has birth pains, kind of the, what, the things of this creation. In pain, you'll bring forth children. Um, You'll also have the torment that people suffer when God's witnesses, as two prophets in chapter 11, preach. Right? But on the flip side, there's the torment of, um, well, unbelievers that they have to suffer. The torment of uh, the unholy trinity, the dragon, the beast, the false prophet. We'll talk about that. So which torment are you are you after? Um, it's all going to be the kind of torment, I guess you could say, the torment that kind of knocks some sense into you. That would be the torment of God's word going forth, convicting of your sin. The torment of, I don't know, afflictions for being God's people. That'd be chapter 12, the woman giving birth. But finally, there is the torment that nobody wants, and that is the torment of the final destruction that we'll see toward the end of Revelation. So let this torment that comes by way of uh, idolatrous glory be a kind of something to knock some sense into you. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, uh, their hair like women's hair, their teeth like lion's teeth, breastplates like breastplates of iron, the noise of their wings is like the noise of many chariots and horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions. Their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, Greek, Apollyon. Notice this is like a, this whole section is like a demonic parody, you might say, of the created order. Remember in what, chapter four, it's what, the li- the four living creatures, lion and ox and human and all of that. This is like a, a perversion of that, a demonic perversion of the whole created order. This is what happens. Uh, notice, chasing after idolatrous glory, it, it distorts everything. Um I would say also you have this idea, notice that power is in their tails, which is the opposite. Locusts, what they use their mouth to devour things. and yet here we have the power in the tails. And when they sting, it's like a a scorpion, this whole like business of snake and scorpion. Um, we're gonna see this the the serpent stuff later in verse 19. It's like this is demonic satanic kind of, stuff. They're locusts, but the power is in their tails, not in their mouth. Even as I don't know, they might have some some beauty. I mean I think this business of like hairs like like women's hair, human face and so on, there's some attractiveness there, but at the same time it's there's a profound ugliness. And ultimately they are instruments of death. The Lord does not allow this idolatrous glory to, to do life-giving stuff. You can just look at it. And if you see, if you're looking at the situation and you see it moving toward death, if it kills, if it leads towards death, it's a thing of idolatry. Uh, it's a thing of what will kill you. <laughs> if this thing is killing you... Um, that's the sort of thing. Now, of course, there's a rich theology of the cross on the other side where the Lord daily drowns and puts to death the old us, the old, you know, the ways of the flesh and so on. I realize that. But at the same time, there's this, if you're chasing after an alternate, alternative glory here, the smoke, it will lead toward death. They have as king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit. His name is, he- in Hebrew, is Avadon. Avad means to perish. Um, and then in Greek you get this word that means destroyer, okay? So anyway, this is the big point here of this first part, is this fifth angel, as this word goes forth, this is totally what happens. This idolatrous glory will devour you, it will bite you, it will sting you, and uh, this is the kind of torment that's like a pre-torment to a final torment that no one wants, and that's what Revelation Covers later. So we're going to take a quick break and uh, carry on with the sixth trumpet in just
1: a second. We'll be back in just a moment to the Concordia Bible Institute podcast. In the meantime, I'd like to have you consider this question What is most important in higher education? How do you prioritize all the knowledge to be gained at an institution of higher learning? Concordia University, Wisconsin, located on the shores of Lake Michigan in Mequon, Wisconsin, just north of Milwaukee, is an institution that is committed to excellence in learning but at the same time realizes that excellence in itself is insufficient without development in vocation. We believe that God works through our vocations, our callings, in order to serve the needs of those around us. The mission statement of Concordia University puts it this way, Concordia University, Wisconsin is a Lutheran higher education community committed to helping students develop in mind, body, and spirit for service to Christ in the church and the world. You can learn more about the over 70 programs offered at Concordia by visiting the website, www.cuw.edu. And if you're benefiting from our Christ in Every Word podcasts, I encourage you to support this ministry by mentioning it to others and by offering your monetary support. Please consider supporting the Concordia Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on the contribute page. And now, back to the podcast.
0: righty, there, folks. We are back with our study of Revelation chapter 9. Kind of an interesting transition here. Verse, tel- verse 12 tells us that the first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still to come. Um, Again, we had this kind of like warning at the end of chapter 8. There is in the warning also a note of mercy that it hasn't yet come, this woe, woe, woe at the other trumpets that are about to blow. I mean, you could just do them, but there there is this signal, there is this warning. The Lord is constantly uh, wanting to bring about repentance. Same here, the first woe has passed. Behold, two are still to come. So there is this kind of, yes, this is unfolding, and yes, it must go down this way. But at the same time, the Lord uh, is patient and not slow like we think slow, but wanting all to come to a knowledge of the truth. So let's talk about the sixth angel. Sixth angel blows the trumpet. Again, connection, all this repetition, trumpet, sixth angel. I mean, I think this thing keeps it rooted in the ministerium, as it were. It keeps it rooted in the life of the, the church, her pastors, right here, right now. I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God. I think this is another thing, too. Um, this language of golden, the horns of the golden altar, we saw this. This is where the saints are praying out for vengeance. How long until you avenge our blood? So you still, as the book moves along, the Lord has not forgotten the prayer of his saints. He has heard your prayers. He's thinking about your prayers. He's not forgotten your prayers. And also, so one thing is just that. The other is like again, altar where we're in the structure again of of a holy place here, the altar, think tabernacle temple. And then also the one also the one before God, this language of the one before God uh, is language that's also used of these seven angels who serve before God at the altar. We saw this at the beginning of chapter eight previous chapter so there's this roots everything this is you get these allusions to the the divine service as it happens right now um okay saying to the sixth trumpet so you get this idea of like whoa there's a there's a plea there's a petition to the sixth angel who had the trumpet Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Now, Euphrates, kind of a big river, big deal, Tigris and Euphrates. Um, Euphrates will only be mentioned elsewhere uh, later on in the sixth um, bowl, okay? And this gets us, like, kind of geared up for, like, we're in the age of the church here. It's the sixth. We're not yet at the culmination of all things. We're in the sixth. And later on, the Euphrates will be in connection with Armageddon, this kind of like end times battle. And yet at the same time, uh, it has everything to do with the battle, the spiritual warfare that's going on right now. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, the year, were released to kill a third of mankind. So you have this like, okay, things are heating up a little bit. And these four angels, which I take to be an all-encompassing kind of group, we've seen this before, the number four, think of the beginning of chapter seven. The number of mounted troops was twice 10,000. Now, notice it's just a third of mankind. Okay, Revelation kind of, it's progressive, and it was just a fourth, just a third. We're not yet total destruction here, but things are revved up because now we have this mention of kill. The number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. This language is the kind of language that's used. Oh, and John says, I heard their number. This is totally what happened in what? Chapter 7, where he hears the number, and then he sees, right? Here we have this troops of soldiers. Another thing about Revelation you got to know is we have only two armies. There's the army of God's people. We're going to see this quite a bit in chapter 19 when Armageddon actually kind of goes down, this end times battle. But also there's the army of the other side. The army of the dragon, the beast, the beast, the unholy trinity. We'll see more about this later. But you get kind of resonances of that here already. Whoa, we're in another sixth thing and we're in this kind of like spiritual warfare that happens. This is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them. They wore breastplates the color of fire and of sapphire and of sulfur. And the heads of the horses were like lion's heads and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. Um, by these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths for the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents with heads and by means of them, they wound a few things to talk about. First thing is that all this business of horses, um, boy, they kind of, they have these fiery breastplates. These, the breastplate, the fiery breastplate, uh, the sapphire and the sulfur stuff. Um, this, There's also resonances of this allusions in, in Exodus to the, the priestly stuff, vestments and tabernacle stuff. Again, you have this kind of like religious false church sort of stuff. Um, these plagues, these horses, it's like... They're coming out and they're what? They're an extension of that word being preached in God's holy place. This is part of God's judgment. They're associated with this, like, um, what? The power is in their mouths. I mean, that alone is like, what? I thought the locusts were supposed to do the stuff by the mouth. They have the tails. And then again, this is like the power of the horses is in their mouths. And in their tails, like, okay, so now we have the mouths also. And I take that to be... I mean, we, in the Son of Man vision, it was what? Out of his mouth comes a two-edged sword. He does war by what comes out of his mouth. We'll see this also in chapter 19, the word of the Lord being emphasized as the Son of Man figure rides on a horse and has all of his horses behind him. Now we have this like imagery of horse, like the power of the horses in their mouths and in their tails, so it's like, okay... um. It's kind of ironic, They're, I guess the other side is being punished by their own devices. There's a sense in which the other side is doing what? It's idolatry, it's false preaching, false teaching, and that's the stuff that goes out of their mouth, and what's being ha- what's happening here is the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of the horse's mouths, going after those who were kind of doing the uh, what? Serpentine preaching, false preaching, idolatrous preaching. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. Um, there is a kind of like out of the mouths of these horses, judgment comes uh, for those who speak unclean and idolatrous things out of their mouths. We're going to see this mouth emphasis. Two ways to use the mouth, I guess you could say, Um, as you go through Revelation, we're going to see that too. Also a big contrast with, we're going to see in chapter 11, the witnesses of the Lord speak. Out of their mouth comes the word, and that goes forth and causes plagues upon people who want nothing to do with it. And again, you have this kind of like emphasis, by these plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the stuff that comes out of the horse's mouth. Fire, sulfur, all sounds like Sodom and Gomorrah kind of stuff. This is end times language made present. The word that goes forth, it'll sting. Uh, You look at verse 19, the power of the horses in their mouths and in their tails. It's kind of like, it's sort of a both and now. They do destruction by their mouth, which again brings to mind all this kind of like the speaking idolatrous words and teaching preaching versus this mouth that causes judgment on that stuff. But also we have this tail emphasis. Isn't, isn't that, I mean, that's like the locusts also Um, their tails are like serpents with heads by means of them. They wound Um, again, this kind of stinging that's brought about when you chase after idolatrous glory, we're covering both realms the preaching, the mouth thing. And also the stinging as a result. Now the two are kind of put together in these horses. This is actually the first time that the word serpents appears in Revelation, come to think of it. Um, but again, that I mean that kind of conjures up what? Devil, Satan, the star falling, this kind of like the one who is a serpent and does serpentine preaching is going to be stung. Um like serpents, like the tails of serpents, so it's kind of like being uh, punished by your own devices. And there, and this is, I mean, Numbers twenty-one, right? The whole fiery serpents. What's the issue, fiery serpents? And how you are going to cure that illness by raising up a serpent? You know, it's kind of like curing with the illness itself, or this defeating death by death, um, defeating the serpent by serpentine stinging. And the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues. Okay, that alone is like, okay, desiring not the death of the wicked, but that he'd turn from their ways. Everybody's affected. Notice. Did not repent of the works of their hands or give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders or sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Why did they not repent? Is there more to repentance than just torment? What if we just torment them? More torment. There's got to be more in Revelation as it unfolds. Yeah, there's more. It's It comes from the preached word, and it's in the Lord's hands as far as what finally causes people to give glory to him, not just pure torment, although that it can be used by our Lord, again, to knock some sense into, into peeps. Notice how ironic it is also, right? Here they're getting stung by these demonic-like stuff. Hey, let's let's worship some demons, right? Or, um, hey, we're getting killed by this stuff. Let's go murder. Or here we're breathing in all this, you know, the smoke, the idolatrous stuff, and the let's go do some sorcery. <laughs> you see the business? This language of the idols which cannot see or hear or walk, That's totally in the Psalms where it's like they have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see, tongues but do not speak. This kind of like they cannot see or hear or walk. And yet that's the very thing that they're chasing after. Those who make them become like them. You see the irony at the end here? Let's take refuge in the very stuff that's enslaving us. And that's the the grim look at the, the nature of the human condition and the depravity of original sin. Also, what happens when the Lord's word goes forth and convicts this, this vibrant imagery that gives us a window into that reality here in Revelation 9. We'll have lots more to say. Hey, no seventh trumpet yet. What's up with that? Uh, We'll kind of carry on uh, in in the future with kind of sorting out why that is. So stay tuned. Tell your family and friends. Thanks for tuning in. The mission of the Concordia Bible Institute is to provide Christ-centered Bible instruction from distinguished experts who teach Christ in every word of the Old and New Testaments to strengthen faith and spread belief in the one true God. Again, if you benefit from this podcast series, I encourage you to consider supporting the Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on our Contribute page. Till next time, my friends, I'm Dr. Brian Gurman, wishing you all God's blessings in Christ Jesus our Lord.